0: Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of Design Curious Podcast. I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. I'm so glad you're here today. I have a really fascinating episode with Robert Ansell, and we have just a great conversation about all the things that he's doing, very innovative design, which really just sparked my interest. But before I tell you a little more about Robert, I wanted to remind you that My Design Mentor is taking on new members right now for the summer. It's a great time to get in there before things start picking up in the fall. If you're looking to start your own business, change careers, summer is a great time to do that. The longer days, you just have a little bit more time, it seems, to focus on the things that you need to get done. So this is a great time to join My Design Mentor. And in there, you're going to work one-on-one with me and run through a lot of course material on what it is to be an interior designer, how to hone your skills and really develop your career and come out swinging when you're ready to work for someone else or start your own business. So you can check out the links to my design mentor on my website or in the show notes. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Robert. Robert Ansell is the CEO of TNI Design, an architectural design agency that specializes in restaurants, hotels, luxury, and eco homes. With over 25 years of experience, Robert has designed over 89 new brands and 800 restaurants or cafes opening or remodels for clients in 24 countries. Some of his notable projects include designing multiple high profile restaurants and hotel brands, as well as providing interior design services to a number of businesses in the hospitality industry. When he's not busy working, Robert enjoys photography as a hobby. His work has been featured in a number of magazines and websites and can be found on his website, introspectivelens.com. In 2020, Robert authored a book called Post-COVID-19 Reboot, which was a forecasting guide to opening restaurants, bars, and hospitality businesses after the quarantine period was lifted in 2021. So we get into all of that and so much more in the episode. Let's speak with Robert. Robert. You're now listening to Design Curious, a place where you, creative one, are here to learn about what it really is like to be an interior designer. And I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. If you're worried about how to succeed in a creative career, if you're ready to learn your next steps to become an interior designer, and if you want the satisfaction of doing something you love every day, you are in the right place. Grab a coffee, a notebook, and let's dig into today's episode. Hi, Robert. Welcome to Design Curious Podcast.
1: Hi, good morning. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for being here. So, for our audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now in the design and architecture industry?
1: We're called TNI Design. The TNI stands for the next idea. And really, we focus on Innovative design. So we're doing a lot of sustainable work. We're, you know, very involved with sort of looking for new materials, new, looking for new ways to, you know, whether it's save power or save resources. Uh, that's a focus. Our primary sectors are commercial. We do a lot of restaurants. That's actually been our our, our background. Okay. And then we work on quite a lot of uh, luxury residential. Aside from that we are presently working on an eco village which is about it, it's not a tiny home village it's a small home village okay. um we think tiny homes are probably too small mm-hmm. you know for real living although you know some people don't agree with that which is fine and this village is it's obviously net zero um looking to use wow. the resources from the land obviously solar power regenerating water and so on and then one of our extremely exciting projects is we're working on what a community would look like on the planet Mars oh how fun Um, so that's that's an internal project that we're working on Uh, we've got a few sponsors that we're talking to um, but we've started that project and it's it's just a lot of fun to work on because of course you're just completely rethinking how people would live in an indoor environment and then how they would interact with the outdoors those are some of our projects Um, that's what we're doing
0: that's great. Where is uh, the Echo Village located?
1: That's currently under development as a concept. We have several pieces of land that we're looking at. Generally, it, so it's the Inland Empire is one of them. Okay. Um, there are several places there, four acre spot that we're looking at. We're also looking at the Mojave Desert in certain mm-hmm. areas. So the Echo Village is is really designed for people that want to live with more space so if you consider multi-family it's all apartments or mm-hmm. it's you know multiple houses but they're really really close together this is more of a outdoor living type of concept obviously it's the it has this whole eco-friendly edge to it but we're really focused on you know what would someone you know be interested in you know let's say they're retired or they're working from home th- those kind of individuals and and so perspective, there will not be in urban environments, there'll be more in sort of remote environments, but close to urban facilities.
0: Really interesting. How fun.
1: Yeah, it's it's a nice project.
0: Yeah, yeah. I bet there's just a lot of people interested in that direction too. So Yes. No, we're talking
1: to a few cities and we're talking to a few counties. And so there is interest because it's, it's really addressing a number of of issues of, of you know very current issues you know mm-hmm. one the lack of availability of affordable housing while these would be rented they would be rented lower than let's say it would be in the city it obviously addresses the sustainable issues which are extremely acute you only have to look at weather patterns to see what's going on you know, obviously this is a a small drop in the ocean compared to what needs to be done it's something yeah. also it, it it sort of provides a different type of living. So you're not in a stacked environment, like you yeah. would be in a multifamily apartment, you know, you have space, you have more of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we think that this is, um, and we certainly believe that this this will address a number of current issues in a positive way. So exciting. Great,
0: Good. That's really fun. So tell us how you even got into this industry before you even came to TNI. Did you always have a inclination towards design?
1: Well, I did. I was told not to. I, I school, <laughs> school when we did, um, there was some kind of evaluation. This was a while ago, so I don't even remember what it was called. But I went to a boys' military school in mm. in Scotland, and basically they did this sort of you know psychoanalysis, and they said, "Yeah, you definitely do not want to be an engineer. You don't want to be an architect or any of that." So okay, well I kind of enjoy that, but all right. Anyway, so I migrated into restaurants, and that was my you know my true love at that time was food. Okay. hospitality. And I went into that business and, and was very successful at it. But when I was in that business, I was doing lots of, you know, new restaurant openings and, you know, new concept development and always found myself just, you know, really enjoying and being successful at the design part of it, whether it was creating functional design and guest flow or the actual aesthetic design. And so that just continued through my career. It was almost by just by chance, or maybe I migrated to, I don't know. But either way, I just ended up really focused on design and concept development. Sorry, the year 2000, 2001, I set up an agency called The Next Idea. And that was a consulting agency. It was a restaurant consulting agency focused very much on restaurants, cafes, new concept development, a little bit of operations. And it grew and we departmentalized. and, And so we had a graphic design. We had an interior design operation, so on and the interior design was about 50% of the entire business now mm. you know this business had probably six departments mm-hmm. so it was obviously there was something going on there that was working very well anyway long story short we were doing a lot of restaurant design a lot of those clients would say hey come you know design our office or come design my new luxury home or whatever right, it might be yeah which we did, and then we started getting referrals, and, and those referrals got complicated because they would call me and say, "Hey, you know, I, I was recommended by you know whichever client, and mm-hmm. um, to, to do my home or my office, but you're a restaurant consultant. Why would I use you?" And <laughs> the really good question. Yeah. And so in 2015, uh, my partner and I split the company. I okay. took on the consulting part of the business. Um, I took on the design side but you know we still have the same ownership and all the rest mm-hmm. of it and um, that really worked out and really T&I design was sort of born at that time even though it had clients and so on mm-hmm. but it really started to grow and take on its own identity after that so that's okay. interesting. yeah
0: so what role do you play then in the design department are you like creative director or yes. do you actually do like a lot of the interior designs but you're just overseeing the projects
1: well, both as a title, I'm CEO and, and chief creative director. Mm-hmm. But yes, I actually still am very involved with clients. In fact, I find that extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do do a fair bit of hands-on design work. And then I have you a know, really great team and, and they obviously really work well together and so on. So yes, but my role is probably about 50% design. I, I have to sort of shade out at least 50% of my schedule just to purely work on the actual projects. I do find that changing a little bit as we're Mm -hmm. growing, but I I really don't want to not be involved in design. I hope it's a strength of mine and and certainly that's that's helped. And, And the client interface is essential because it is an emotive subject. You're not providing legal advice. You're not providing accounting, something where people have their own vision, have their own requirements and our job is either to interpret it or to come up with something that maybe is potentially more enhanced mm. or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, no question the the client interface is, is critical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that can be a delicate process. And so you kind of need to have <laughs> skills for working with people one on one and reading them personality yes. types and all of that. Huh?
1: Yeah, 100 percent. There is no cookie cutter approach to this. You're absolutely right. There's just a lot of really sort of different personalities and, and requirements, and no project is the same. So,
0: right, right. Did you have architectural design training? Did you go to school for it, or is yeah, it just natural? By myself. Yeah, just <laughs> school of hard nights. No.
1: <laughs> no, none what, literally none whatsoever. This yeah. was something that I just sort of migrated to. And obviously, I've learned on the way, but yeah. uh, no formal training whatsoever. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. So do you then currently with T&I still do a lot of restaurants or you do a lot more um, residential now?
1: Uh, No, I would say that restaurants are probably about 50% of our business. So we work with quite a few chains. We do a lot of uh, franchise rollouts. So, for example, at the moment, we're working with Sizzler Mm. restaurants. We've just created their pilot in Corona, California, and that's been successful. And we're now looking at rolling out that design across their portfolio. Uh, we work with other groups uh, such as Plant Power, which is a vegan fast food company, mm. uh, and a host of others. And we do that as well as working on a lot of sort of one off designs. Um, we've got a really exciting concept we're working on in Beverly Hills at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, can't really talk much about it, but it's certainly very creative and new and very much up our street. And then sort of a range of other cafes and restaurants that we're working on. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you equally enjoy? Uh, restaurant design as much as residential I feel like they're different animals so um very
1: different yeah yes um truthfully on residential design it's quite rare for us to do the interior design usually we do the architecture and the layout Mm -hmm. so we for example one house that we worked on in in San Bernardino you know large luxury home and then we brought the pool inside so you get an inside outside pool which Mm is both unique also quite challenging to do. And so that, yeah. that sort of thing we're really, really strong at. Mm-hmm. And we did do, we actually provided their interior design as well. But usually on the residential, we're less interior design, more architectural. Okay. And then obviously restaurants were doing both and, and yeah. office doing both as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I love the name, The Next Idea, because that really <laughs> is very innovative. Like it shows that you are thinking about, you know, new ways to approach design did you come up with that name
1: yeah the the history of that was actually i was in the process of of moving to the u.s and um, my wife at that time was pregnant so we had to stay in the uk i'd finished one job and and actually an ex-employer approached me and said you know i know you're available i really need six months but you know if you're interested i can't employ you because we don't hire you know short-term or freelancers Mm -hmm. you have to have an entity and by the way, when you work for us, you're always good with ideas. So just throw that name into your name. I uh, <laughs> throw the concept of ideas into yeah. your name. That'll really work. And I can sell this, you know, so on. So I was like, okay. And that's where the next idea came from. and. Yeah. So so the agents say that the consulting is called the next idea and then the design is T&I design. And a lot of people would just refer to us as T&I, T&I um, yeah. which we like. It's nice.
0: Yeah. So then with that theme in mind, where's the next idea for the way the restaurant industry is going?
1: Okay. Where do you want me to start? So I think <laughs> there's a number of things that are gonna we're going to see changing in restaurants. There's obviously a a big movement of ghost kitchens and and providing ghost kitchens and delivery. And that was all, you know, sort of very much accelerated throughout the COVID era. Mm -hmm. And I think it's here to stay, although it's going to change a lot.
0: And you wrote a book about that topic, right? Well, I wrote a
1: book about what restaurants will look like after COVID. So post COVID-19, and it was more about the emotive side of restaurants. So how customers are going to interact with restaurants and how, Mm. um, employees would interact and even vendors that was actually very well received but I think you know now we're sort of I wouldn't say we're past COVID but we really are in a post-COVID era ghost kitchens like I said but they're going to change a bit we're going to see more of an interactive approach with ghost kitchens I think people will be able to start visiting them and really interact with the chefs or or whoever Mm. is there Mm -hmm. I think that in the longer term will happen I think the certainly the biggest change that I'm forecasting is is the use of robots in restaurants, and that will change the layout a little bit. So we can expect to see really a a highly automized environment, probably starting within the next few years. And and we're going to see that front of house and back of house. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you can already, there's, there's already bars that are fully automated. There's already kitchens that are using Flippy, which is where they're flipping the burgers. And we're gonna start seeing the use of robots delivering food to the table. And I don't think they're gonna be clearing plates yet, but that will yeah. that will happen in time. So while that on the face of it may not really see well, what how does design interfaces with that considerably? Because number one, pathways, number two, accessibility in terms mm-hmm. of you know, how people take food off a robot, yeah. uh, how they put it back and so on. We're gonna to have to really rethink all of that. Mm-hmm takeout is still growing it's still a growing part of the business and so i think the way that restaurants are designed probably more in the fast casual and fast food sectors we're already seeing but we're going to see a, a sort of a, a, an even more sort of customer friendly approach to that rather than going in and asking for your food it's going to be ready you know to pick up and so on mm-hmm. panera bread is a really good example of that yeah but there's going to be plenty of others and i think again these are going to be more and more automated going into the future. And I think, you know, the other big thing and sort of development that that we see, and this is very specific to design, is, is the use of sustainable materials. So, you know, hemp wood, hempcrete, bamboo, a lot of composites that are either recycled plastics or recycled woods, tiles even. Mm -hmm. um the use of glass we're all you know all going to become prevalent i mean you can get almost like a concrete glass now um which is quite unique you know really really solid glass that's being used in bathrooms as opposed to ceramics and so on and so there's there's different and and it's all recycled so i you know there's a lot going on like all these things very much in their infancy
0: yeah
1: Design, from an aesthetic standpoint, is definitely a bit lighter than it used to be. We're seeing much brighter environments. And I think we're going to see that in cafes specifically. So the sort of the dark Starbucks, we're seeing examples of, of that being much lighter than it used to be, um, using lighter materials, lighter colored materials, more open space. These are all the tra- you know design transitions that, that we will see sort of over yeah. the next 10 years.
0: Okay, a lot to, to look for. Yeah. So as they're introducing these uh, sustainable materials, are they at a higher price point because it's, they're still in their infancy and, you know, trying to work up a way to introduce them to the market? I would think that that is prohibitive sometimes of people actually introducing these materials because of the cost of it.
1: Yeah, there is a higher cost, not in all cases. I wouldn't say it's prohibitive, but again, that's going to be down to the economics of how much material you need and so on. Mm -hmm. I think the broader issue is more the usability. If you take hemp wood, which is a good example, and we worked with it a little bit, this is a really beautiful product. It looks great. It's 100% hemp. It's compressed. But if it's not treated correctly, it can you know, virtually fall apart if mm. there's any moisture that gets into it or so on. So you use that as a siding for a front of a counter. As an example, you know, if that starts getting water or if you're mopping the floor and, and water starting to get into it and it hasn't been sealed properly, then it's literally, it will virtually fall off the wall okay. or, or the, the counter front, whatever. So
0: yeah.
1: there needs to be a lot more thought that goes into it. Sustainable wood, so essentially reused wood or composite wood, has been very successful we put in a lot of reclaimed wood into Sizzler and and people Mm. love it and it is you know it's a very sustainable product it's a more durable than let's say hemp wood but bamboo has been pretty successful and and I think it's continuing to get better not so good for exteriors but on the interiors you know we're seeing bamboo flooring bamboo Mm -hmm. tabletops very successful they hold together really well and really not any more expensive than a wood product, in some cases, less expensive. Yeah. So I think we've got a lot of uh, learning to do. I mean, these things really, you have to you have to deploy it to find out, you know, right. like you have to really test everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, time will tell us what will work in the long term and what won't. So there is work. There's definitely work to do on it. From a cost standpoint, I don't think that's going to be an enormous issue but certainly anything on a budget on a small budget we'll need to take that into account you know the the difference between let's say a hemp wood counterfront and an artificial wood counterfront with similar aesthetic the artificial wood will be cheaper almost yeah. certainly
0: yeah so a lot of great things to think about there how do you remain creative and always coming up with the next idea what do you do to get your creative juices flowing
1: <laughs> that is a really good question sometimes it can be it can be very difficult you know sometimes a project will come in and it's it feels very you know very difficult you know how you're sort of really thinking about how do we make this exciting what do we add to this that number one gives it differentiation uh number two is unique innovative state of the art and so on and i think the answer is and i i do say i think because each project is different and each approach is different. I don't have a, I'm doing it this way, I'm going to research it this way, or I'm going mm. to think it up this way. Sometimes I literally just stand in the shower for hours and think. Um, <laughs> other, other times it's, it's a lot of research and, and yeah. seeing what's out there, what's available. And also some of the times, you know, it's adapting, you know, let's look at this hologram. Can we use this? Will this technology work? Technology application is probably the toughest. I think it's very easy to come up with ideas because there's so much technology out there that you know you can adapt to this or that. But technology is actually quite hard, mm-hmm. and you need the right team. And you really, if you're sorry, if you're going to change something to adapt it to what you want to do. So, in answer to your question, I think it's a lot of all of the above. It's a lot of just thinking and looking around. And and sometimes I find myself in an environment whatever that might be a retail environment a restaurant environment and and you see something or a different country and you see something and you go i could really use this and i don't know where but mm-hmm. I'm the picture and it will come to me and usually a year later or two years later like you know this would be perfect here and and you adapt it and so yeah. on but i definitely don't have one source of inspiration i think mm-hmm. it's multiple uh, mm-hmm. obviously i look at you know what some of the others are doing and I don't necessarily migrate to some of the famous designers or architects. I, I really look at everyone because everyone brings something and, you know, just see, you know, is there anything that I can use here or adapt or, mm-hmm. or change and, and you know, so on. So uh, it's a lot of the above, as I said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And so then keep coming up with new ideas. If you had a dream project where you had unlimited resources, have you thought about that? Like what your ideal project would look like
1: well I I sort of feel that we're maybe doing that you know the eco village is amazing Mm -hmm. Mars project is amazing some of our restaurant concepts are just so much fun I think something which would be a dream project I, I feel we're doing it I would love to you know work on more food halls I would love to work on um. someone just give me some land and, and say, hey, build us a house here and, and just really go crazy and, yeah. and, and come up with something which is just so different and, you know, just doesn't follow traditional architecture, mm-hmm. just just for the fun of it. Um, And hopefully it would work and they'd like it, but that's another story. I think that, but I definitely think that the most exciting project we have is our Mars project. That is yeah. just really sort of pushing all boundaries of how we think about not just architecture, but how someone would live in what's essentially a a hostile environment. I mean, there's just so many things that are not there
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, that we would have to improvise on. How do, you know, the obvious being is how do we address the water situation? Mm -hmm. How do we address, you know, people like design, whenever you think of other planet, planetary architecture, is that whole steel, solid steel you know sort of modern unexciting hostile design whereas we are thinking about this well people are going to live here for years maybe their entire lives we don't know what this looks like people need design design is everywhere I mean it's from Mm -hmm. the packaging through to the environment through to interior exterior you name it and people need that it exists because it needs to exist and and therefore how do we make this environment livable from a engineering standpoint and then, how do we make it livable from a aesthetic standpoint? and what would people need to survive here and be happy and thrive? So you know obviously, the first first pioneers are going to be probably more research driven. But after that, the whole point is is to create almost a second earth. And as years go on, people will be born there and and they will only know Mars. So yeah, how do we create that environment that, can actually grow and thrive that is probably the most exciting project yeah it's pushing every thought boundary that we have
0: for sure yeah that just sounds so much fun wow so any advice for other creatives like you who may have been told you know not to get into design or architecture when they were young but now really want to follow their dream and their passion of getting into the industry like you did and um, any advice for them
1: My only advice is just do it. It's not simple. Let's be honest. If you haven't been trained, and as I said, I literally taught myself, but if you haven't been trained, you have to be open-minded to learning, and that could be part-time working for a design firm as an intern, maybe not being paid for it and having a second job to fund yourself or... Mm -hmm you know maybe do your own drawings and take them around design companies or architecture companies and and start showing them and asking their opinion and you'll find that some are interested to talk to you and some aren't and obviously you just migrate to the ones that are but i definitely feel and i i'm really happy if i you know look back at my own career i'm certainly really happy that i pushed myself into this because i did have this nagging doubt for a long time of this sort of supposed highly data researched system, you know, literally saying, don't do this. And and that held me back. And I think, you know, to to pass that was actually quite hard for me personally. And I think if if I was to give advice, I would say, well, if someone has said, don't do it, really doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It's just Mm -hmm. their opinion. That is all one person's opinion, maybe one research document's opinion. But if you feel that you're good at it, it's worth trying, even if it means that you have to spend extra work at it and so on to promote yourself, Mm -hmm. you have to create your own portfolio. That could be a a non-funded portfolio, meaning that, you know, you just create design Mm -hmm. concepts, or it may be that you have other jobs, or, you know, if you went to university to study this, then certainly, you know, use that. But Mm -hmm. it is an industry that you have to keep pushing in. It's a very competitive industry. I'm not sure that there's many non-competitive industries, but this (laughs) is a competitive industry. Yeah, And I think it's important to have your own brand. And, you know, if you just call yourself Joe Blogs, then you're just one of many. If you come up with a creative name, if you come up with a specific style that maybe not everyone will like, but some people will love, that to me is the way to go. I, I think, you know, if I was to look back and, you know, why do people buy from us? Mm-hmm. The answer is, is it's, you know, we provide obviously the great service and, and that's just a given, but I think we provide a, an edge for people that they like, we'll, we'll give them something different, may not like it, but we'll work with them until they do. Yeah. But they know that they're getting something unique when they come to us. And I think that's a big part of our success.
0: Yeah. And that's just so forward like with the name of your company, like it's obviously <laughs> what they're going to get is it a new <laughs> idea, right? So <laughs> yeah. that's great advice. Yeah. Well, where that people can find you online? Are you on socials sure.
1: or the website? Sure. Just type in T&I Design into Google. We, our website is tnidesign.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Both handles are TNI and i Design. You can also type in the next idea, um, which will lead more towards the consultancy side, but okay. obviously restaurants in there and hotels and so on. Or you can just Google my name. Yeah, it's, we're pretty noticeable, I think, I hope. That's great.
0: Is there anywhere to see the concepts that you're working on for the Mars sure. project?
1: Uh, Mars concept not yet but it will be on our website quite soon um, the initial 3d renders are almost done we do have a set but we're still working on it mm-hmm. and uh, so yes that'll be available on TNI and i design probably within about a month or so and that'll have its own website yeah
0: okay and the echo village too yes
1: awesome. that is I think that's already on TNI and i design
0: Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to go check that out and we'll put all of that in the show notes too. So everybody can find that. Thank you so much for coming on, Robert. It's been a pleasure talking with you.
1: Likewise. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Oh my goodness. What a fascinating conversation with Robert today. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. I especially love all the conversation around the Echo Village and the Mars Project, which I just love science fiction. I love science. I love space exploration and all of that. So that is really interesting to me, and I'm definitely going to keep track of that as it develops. Robert really reminded me a little bit of Tim Ferriss, who you may know is a very famous author and podcaster. Um, But I had heard him recently interviewed and Tim Ferriss is definitely one of those people who he will sit around and wonder, okay, what are the nerds thinking about in the middle of the night? And what are the super wealthy working on? What are the projects that they're working on? And I feel like Robert is kind of right there, too, just with thinking about the next big idea. How can we incorporate technology into our everyday lives? And how can we use it to help us? And how are we going to be living and thriving on another planet besides Earth? And so that's just... Super fascinating, super creative. I greatly admire that, and I hope to have Robert back on the podcast someday and talk a little bit more about that. All right, so don't forget we have some downloads for you, the three things I wish I had known before I started my career in interior design, as well as the roadmap to interior design. You're going to get those, and that will get you on the mailing list as well, so you have the podcast coming to your inbox each week, as along with bonus material and other insights that I like to include. I hope you guys have a great week and come back next week. We have another great interview as we continue in our summer series. And until then, stay creative. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and a review. This helps me reach other curious creatives like you. If you have a topic request or would like to contact me, simply head over to my website, rwarddesign.com or email me at podcast at rwarddesign.com.